Beaumont's Corner Store, 6 to 10.30, had been a fixture in the neighborhood for more than 30 years. Like people his age tend to do, Beaumont wondered what his life had been about. Stuck here in this cramped, unair-conditioned space with the red vines, the packages of Kotex, the cans of frijoles, the racks of chips and coolers full of Budweiser, the hard liquor behind the counter. There was a time when he thought about moving on, doing something else, going someplace where he could be outdoors and breathe some clean air. But after his wife, Camille, died, he didn't see the point. Why bother being anywhere in particular if the love of your life wasn't there with you? Beaumont had two grown children. Merrill was a traffic engineer in San Diego. His daughter, Catrice, was locked up in Vacaville for carjacking. These days, one out of two wasn't bad. Beaumont heard rowdy voices coming up the street. He sighed, dreading their arrival. It was never a group of police officers or a troop of Boy Scouts or some other kind of law-abiding folks. And sure enough... Four hooligans from a Cambodian gang came in with their white T-shirts, gold chains, and tattoos. Maybe one of these days somebody would break the mold, wear a bowler hat or some penny loafers. The chubby one was the shot maker, or shot supervisor, or shot daddy, or whatever they call the ringleader these days. In Beaumont's eyes, the kid didn't look any different from the others, but that's what they used to say about black folks, so he crossed that off his observation list. He wondered if there was a nationality left that didn't have gangsters. Even white people who'd never been closer to the hood than one of Biggie's CD covers walked around talking like they'd been born in East Long Beach with a Glock 17 and the nappies. The Cambodians dispersed into the storm. There were fisheye mirrors everywhere, but these guys were past shoplifting. They had money. They still made Beaumont nervous, but he wasn't afraid of them. He'd been in Vietnam and had seen action that would have these punks crying for their mamas. They came back with a pile of junk food and dumped it on the counter. How you doing, chief? Chubby said. He was the leader for no apparent reason Beaumont could see. I'm doing just fine, Beaumont said. I've been meaning to ask you. What do you do with yourself all day besides sit back there and jerk off? And I've been meaning to ask you, Beaumont retorted. What do you do all day besides lying around being an asshole? Chubby slow blinked twice. You know, one of these days your store might burn down. And one of these days your mama's house might catch on fire. I know where she lives, son. Chubby tightened up and let one shoulder sag like he was going to throw a punch. Beaumont put his hand under the counter. He hadn't fired the forty-five Colt Commander since Phnom Penh, but the gesture made Chubby hesitate. The moment teetered on the edge of violence. One of the other guys said, Hey, fuck this guy, Loke. We got shit to do. Chubby had his eyes locked on Beaumont's. I'll be back, chief. And I'll be right here, Beaumont replied. Beaumont thought he might clean the gun, see if it still fired when he heard a big engine revving and the Cambodian shouting, Get down! The salvo of bullets came through the window like copper hornets, spider web in the glass, exploding the tiny boxes of Tide, Cans of chili and SpaghettiOs, the coolers shattering, the whole candy section blasted apart, the confetti of paper towels and toilet paper fluttering in the air. Beaumont couldn't get down fast enough. He'd barely bent his knees when he was hit in the shoulder. Oh God, I'm shot, he shouted. Then the second and third bullets struck him in the chest. He twisted around, grabbing at the shelves and sliding to the floor.
dragging bottles of Smirnoff and early times down on top of him. A fleeting, silver moment of consciousness streaking past as he closed his eyes, and the world was gone forever.